when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest edition of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee hover? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, doing good, Shane. Just finished uh, these awesome playoff games here. We had a very Merry Christmas over here at my house. And now we got a week full of SEC bowl action. I'm pretty fired up, Shane. How about you? Let's do it, baby. It was fantastic. I think Joe Burrow just scored another touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start right there. Obviously, the big one out of the SEC. LSU wins 63-28 over the Oklahoma Sooners, Shane. And there was a lot to take away from this one. And, uh, you know, obviously everyone's main takeaway is going to be LSU in that offense. But for me, and, you know, I almost feel like I'm slighting them by not starting there. But for me, the biggest thing was LSU's defense, Shane, because that's something that, you know, for most of the season, people have been questioning, wondering what's wrong with Dave Aranda's unit uh, yes, they did allow a touchdown in the first quarter, but to start the game, I believe there was you know three and out, three and out, three and out, and LSU was they're just nothing but a machine on offense, even with Clyde Edwards-Helaire you know very limited. And by mm-hmm. the time LSU got up by you know fourteen to seven, it it felt like this one was over within a blink of an eye. It's you know something <laughs> like thirty-eight to seven. I mean. It was incredible. Joe Burrow, is this the best individual season? I know the numbers kind of say that it is, but the best, not career or anything, but just best season we've ever seen in college football for Joe Burrow. I mean, it's incredible. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man. I mean, it has to be. I mean, you're looking. Burrow, 29-39, 493, and seven touchdowns. And this wasn't some cupcake team this is the fourth ranked team in the nation you know Mm Oklahoma has only lost one game and uh, granted I don't think they're as good as the other three teams that are in the final four but they're not a cupcake you know and and that's what LSU made this team look like you know it's so funny with LSU I don't know about you Mike but this whole year I kept I don't know it's like I had an asterisk like 
yeah, but, you know, like it was the Texas game, but then we're like, well, maybe Texas isn't that good, you know. They have to play Alabama. And then, you know, they play Alabama, and everybody's like, well, you know, Tua was hurt. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just – it felt like it was that all the way through the season, and they just go out and do what they do. They – you keep waiting for them to mess up, and apparently it is not in this team's DNA. Yeah, and I mean, it just seemed like Joe Burrow, I don't even think this is like, I don't think this is an exaggeration, Shane. I think he could have thrown for 10 touchdown passes in this game if they mm-hmm. wanted him to do it. I mean, it's just incredible the things they're doing. I mean, here's an example, Shane. I thought the, you know, of all the impressive plays, and there were many, I thought the best one was the play. I believe the score is 21-7 at the time. Joe Burrow getting pressured. Uh, he has to run to the sideline. He, he throws up. You know, it kind of looks like he's just tossing the ball up in the air, but he knows mm-hmm. exactly where he's going with it. It goes to Terrence Marshall, who makes a incredible, you know, over-the-shoulder catch. And ESPN, it's like, there was just so much incredible stuff on that one play. They didn't know whether should we focus on Marshall making the catch? Should we focus <laughs> on Joe Burrow and his, you know, running to the sideline and throwing that up? I mean, they only showed Marshall. I wanted to see Joe Burrow on that play. Uh, it was incredible. Ten college football playoff records for LSU in that one, Shane. Joe Burrow, eight touchdowns. That's never been done in the college football mm-hmm. playoff. Seven passing touchdowns. 403 passing yards in a half, 493 passing yards total, 515 total yards, Joe Burrow, four receiving touchdowns for Justin Jefferson, 227 receiving yards, 49 points and a half, 63 points in a game, 692 total yards by a team. Every single stat I just threw at you is an all-time college football playoff record. I mean, it's just my God, Shane. I mean, that, there's what more can you say? It's like, uh, what's his they put it there on Twitter, talking about the NCAA game when you schedule a cupcake team to pad your Heisman stats at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. That's what this game was like, man, just freaking airing it out. When it went three and out, I mean, there's a part of me, and I, and I, I kind of talked about this earlier, that I was like, well, you know, what if Oklahoma gives this, you know, t- you know there's Clydesdale, uh, you know, there was uh, the sad, sad news about uh, uh, Steve's uh, uh, daughter-in-law, mm-hmm. you know, with the airplane crash. So there was there's all this. And so there was a thing in a pit of your stomach saying, well, what if, you know, this perfect thing ends? And what do they do? They they hold Oklahoma to three and out. And then three plays later, you know, he's Jefferson's reaching out for a touchdown. And it was just like man, they're going to destroy this team. And that's what they did. You know, they Oklahoma got that second score, but after that, man, it was it was all LSU. You know, I'm glad you brought up the NCAA video game, Shane, because now you got me thinking it this way. Uh, you know, we used to have dynasties. It was you and I and your brother, Jonathan, loyal listener to the show. <laughs> and we'd step out of the room. You know, we, we like to play the game on the Heisman mode. That was the most difficult uh-huh. mode. But yep. uh, when we left the room, he'd kick it on down to uh, <laughs> walk-on mode, which those that didn't play the game, it was basically like, you know, someone that's never played the game could could take over and do well. And that's what it seems like when LSU's touch playing on the field. It seems like they're on walk-on mode. <laughs> Everybody else is just, you know, got, you know, they're running in sand or something. So, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the way the LSU is playing right now. And, I know Clemson won their game, but I just don't see any way 
they're going to slow this team down. The SEC now 13th time, Shane, in the last 14 seasons. The SEC mm -hmm. will have a team in the national championship game. Thanks to LSU, that streak extends. I mean, just an incredible, incredible display. And I know Clemson's a good team. They're undefeated. They were undefeated last year. But I still, at this point, have no confidence in them to mm -mm. slow down LSU and this machine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you – you hit on it there, Shane, the tragedy there of Steve Ensminger's uh, daughter-in-law passing just before the game, as devastating news there. And that's something that uh, Coach O hit on after the game, the adversity surrounding that situation on the national championship game, being in New Orleans. I mean, how great is that, Shane? And mm -hmm. then on LSU's defense, let's kick it over to Coach O after this game. Look, Ed, I know – it was a, obviously a rough day for Steve. For you personally, uh, dealing with this, how difficult would you describe it for you? Um, how, how to, I mean, who knows how to handle something like that? You know, uh, being a head coach, uh, stuff's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. You've got to be prepared. And, uh, but you know what? When you have great people around you, it makes it a lot better. Uh, it was tough. It was tough. I didn't want the team to know. Uh, I didn't want it to affect the team, the mindset of the football team, the energy of the football team. Neither did Steve. We did not try to keep it to him. I think they found out before the game. And, you know, there was a little concern. There might be a, bit, a little low, but it sure wasn't the way we started. I've got to give credit to our football player. Was, there, was it a difficult decision at all for, for Coach Ensminger to, to decide to work tonight? There was no question. He didn't hesitate. And as far as the players... When did you guys find out about this, and how did how did it affect you? I found out about it in the post game interview. I didn't. Nobody said anything to me about it until that till then. Uh, it was same. I found out in the interview, and um, just the fact that he still stuck with the game and still called a great game. Uh, so that just means a lot for uh, the players. And I mean, I feel bad for him. I'm sorry for him for his loss. Uh, but I mean, we're all with him. You, you always make a point to say that this is for the state of Louisiana in your post-game press conferences. Now you're going to the national championship game in the state of Louisiana. Just what does that mean to you? Great story. You know, obviously it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a, a purple and gold crowd in the Superdome. Uh, the state of Louisiana is going to be on fire. But all those things uh, doesn't win the football game for you. We have to prepare. Uh, we have to study. We have to be ready to play our best football game. Obviously, when you're playing a national championship game, you'll be playing a very, very good football team. So all those things on the perimeter are nice. It's just like in a fight when you get hit with the first punch, all that stuff goes out the window, and you got to play football. So we're going to prepare, whoever it may be, and uh, obviously we feel that's going to be advantage playing at home, and we love that it is at home, but that's not going to win the game for you. You've been a part of national championship teams. This is the first for you as a head coach. Has that fact sunk in yet for you? And how do you approach these next weeks, you know, with, with now that the moment is yeah, finally here? It won't be any different. It will not be any different. We won't make it bigger than, bigger than life. Uh, obviously, we understand the magnitude of the football game, but we're going to focus on the task at hand, the fundamentals, to get better. We're an ascending football team. Uh, we're going to study on our game plan, and we're going to work just like we've been. We'll go through the process with confidence. Yeah, when there's an offensive day like that, it's obviously going to get a lot of the attention, but you mentioned the defense getting stops to build a lead. Three of the first four possessions were three and out. 
What worked so well, and maybe a thought also on Caleb Vaughn, who, who was the MVP? Yeah, we had pressure on quarterback. We felt that we could win our one-on-ones against them. But really, I thought we stopped their run game. I thought Coach Aranda had a tremendous plan. That Connor Reed, I ain't seen nobody stop it. The key was Jalen Hurst not beating us with his feet, and we did a great job of that. Uh, we thought that CD line would be something hard to cover, but we didn't think they would drop back on, drop back and throw the football on us to beat us. So Coach made them one-dimensional. We had a great pass rush. Very proud of Coach Aranda and the whole defensive staff. They worked very hard this week. All right, Shane, there. so there you have it from Coach O, Coach of the Year, from just about anybody and everybody who's given away that award. LSU one game away from the perfect season, bringing that national championship trophy back to Baton Rouge. Uh, thoughts on what Coach O had to say there? Oh, man, that trophy's coming home, buddy. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Louisiana is fired up. I, I'm, I've never seen so much purple and gold in Tennessee in my life. You know, usually <laughs> there's a handful of like, you know, uh, you know, you've got the, what do they call them, bandwagon fans, you know, that just out of nowhere, they, they like all of a sudden they're an Alabama fan or a Georgia fan. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I have seen more purple and gold this week than I have my entire life. And it's just there's a lot of people that are buying in to the whole brand down there. You know, there, there's a lot of people I think that don't really care much about football mm-hmm. that for some reason are pulling for LSU. And I don't know if it's just because they're not Alabama or, or Clemson or Ohio state, you know, it's something different. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Maybe that's it. The The country's just tired of the same old, same old. And, and uh, these guys are, I mean, they're bringing it. And that, I'm telling you, man, that, I would love to go down there. You think Mardi Gras crazy? Man, this game's going to be crazy, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Last thing here on LSU, Shane, Joe Burrow asked after the game, him and Justin Jefferson, you know, you're putting up all these records, college football history. Yes, the national championship game, I mean, that's still to come. But their thoughts on all these records, and I thought this was the perfect uh, response here from Joe Burrow. Joe, you and Justin, you guys both set a lot of records today. Um, are you aware of them? Do, do any of them mean any more than others? Uh, they handed us a whole sheet of all the records y'all set today. January 13th is the, the record we're worried about. Justin? Same. Uh, <laughs> that's the goal of the whole season, um, to win that national championship. So uh, we're not going to stop until we get that. All right, Shane, so who cares about all these damn records? It, they won't mean much if you don't finish the deal. I love this message by Joe Burrow. I mean, I, at this point, I didn't expect anything less from him, but if you're an LSU fan, that's got to give you some added confidence going into this uh, game against Clemson. Absolutely. Well, when you've broke 15 records already this season, it's kind of, you know, it's just another one. You know, one thing you haven't done yet is won a national championship. So let's do that. I hate that. I'm with you. I kind of was hoping for the Ohio State matchup just so Joe could beat the team that didn't give him the starting spot. But, mm-hmm. you know, what what's next best than Clemson? You know, a team led by a quarterback that's never lost a game. You know what I'm saying? Right. And in that game, LSU opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on Saturday night immediately after uh, Clemson won the Fiesta Bowl. That line has been pushed to five-and-a-half, six in some books. So LSU, (laughs) nearly a touchdown favorite. 
I think it's going to stay close to that, but uh, that that's just an indication of where the early betting line is at. Dude, I'm not going to curse LSU and lock this one down for the week, you know, but until it's six touchdowns, I'd be putting my money on them Tigers. <laughs> well, speaking of your curse of the week here, Shay, Texas oh, A&M, Texas Bowl, they won the game, but they didn't cover 24-21 to 21 over Oklahoma State. That was the first SEC bowl game. The SEC now 2-0 in bowl games. Solid start here. And this one, uh, this was a wild one, Shane, where this is the thing that we kind of keep hitting with Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. His teams at Texas A&M, they don't give in. They get tougher as the game goes on. It's basically the exact opposite of the Kevin Sumlin era. So if nothing else, Aggie fans got to be fired up about that. But uh, I was very impressed. I know our guy Brett Sianca on here, you know, when he previewed Oklahoma State, he was talking up this uh, Chuba Hubbard, their running back. uh, And, you know, I I believe he's the nation's leader in rushing. And he lived up to the hype early. I mean, this guy was busting big gains. Uh, That was something that I was concerned about with Justin Matabuke sitting this one out for the Aggies. I wondered how they were going to be able to corral this guy. And then everywhere it looked like, Oklahoma State on the perimeter has got all these speed guys. <laughs> the announcers wouldn't stop talking about how damn fast Oklahoma State was. And, you know, that proved to be the case early on. But this is why Mike Elko, people that know what they're talking about, talk up this defensive coordinator because, yes, Oklahoma State got the better of Texas A&M in the first quarter. But then those adjustments were made, Shane, and then the Aggies just – basically shut them down the rest of the entire damn game. Mm-hmm. I know Kellen Mon, he was off on a lot of throws, but and, and people giving him a hard time right now. He was MVP of this game, Shane, and a lot of it had to do with what he did with his legs. He had that huge 67-yard touchdown that gave uh, the Aggies the lead, their first lead in the game. He closed it out with another big run that led to a field goal. That was the difference in the game. But I just see a lot of people give Kellen Mon a ton of flack after this one. And yes, I know he didn't have the season they were expecting, but I don't know. I just, I like the fact that Jimbo Fisher has got confidence in this kid to get it done when it matters the most. And it, it doesn't really matter. You know, if you're not looking that great, all that matters is you damn win the game, put the team on your back. I mean, this is a Texas A&M team that only had one scholarship running back heading into this game. They had to kick over Aeneas Smith over to running back just to help kind of fill the void there. So Texas A&M kind of shorthanded on offense. But at the end of the day, they got it done because, like I said, those defensive adjustments, Kellen Mond making those adjustments with the with his legs in the game. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Texas A&M finishing the season here, getting their eighth win of the season? Oh, I thought it was great, Mike. And I'm telling you, they <laughs> the start of this game didn't look pretty. There was, I mean, like you said, they kept – you know, zooming in on these receivers, talking about how fast these guys are. But I liked how fast they blew that lead. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> A&M, I, going into this thing, I was giving Coach a little bit of a hard time because he hasn't been able to beat a top 25 team this year. And I felt like this game, even though it wasn't pretty at times, came down to coaching and Jimbo was just the better one out there that it seems like his team made the adjustments needed. And, and once they got it, man, they were up 10 points. I mean, you can say whatever on Braden Johnson, when he made that last one, that was just 
garbage touchdown. A and M had this thing in the second second half, you know. So I, I like that. I, I like the youth on this team and the, and the the way they've developed along the season. And and they limped into this game. They were still able to get the victory. So I thought that was really really impressive. So uh, all around, man, A and M's there, buddy. Mon looked good. I, I like that they let him run a little bit. Uh, it seems like this offense looks a lot better when he does get mobile and becomes more of a dual threat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hope to see more of that in Jimbo's offense moving forward. Now, after this one, Shane, I made a kind of a bold comment there on Twitter. Got picked up by, you know, the Aggie faithful out there and basically everyone that doesn't like the Aggies, too. They Those were people who jumped on it even more. But I really think based on what we've seen from Texas A&M this season. I know this this was their first ranked win of the season, so it's not like they were wrecking the SEC or anything. This is kind of a team that, you know, the elite they faced, they didn't get it done. The teams in the middle and below middle, I mean, they won all those games. So there's still a lot of room for improvement. But I don't know, every time I watch this team play, Shane, whether it's, you know, running back, tight end, safety, offensive line, literally all over the field, they got freshmen playing, and not only just playing, but playing at a high level, playing better in November than they were in September. Mm -hmm. And they have a number of sophomores, too, all over this team. Jimbo Fisher, he hit on it here in a minute. I mean, they play 30 freshmen. They've got the number six signing class right now could be even better come national signing day so if you factor in you know how many young players they're playing now and how they're you know they they're not only seeing the field but getting better i really think there's a chance now obviously we don't know who's coming back yet and all those things i think texas a&m could be the most improved team in the sec next season what are your thoughts on that take I'm with you, man. I, I, I thought this would be a, a third-year team. And uh, just for what he's been able to recruit, uh, you knew it was going to take time, you know. And I think it start having these young kids play so early can only help, you know. Something that Coach is going to talk about here in a second, it's it's also going to be about development in the offseason. But if they can grow as a unit – telling you man they could be pretty special next year because there's a lot of teams that are going to be depleted Mm -hmm. well let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher Shane who talks about Kellamon taking this game over with his legs on uh, Anaya Smith shifting over to that running back role I thought he looked pretty good when they asked him to you know carry the rock here in this game and on the deficit they faced early in this game on what winning the bowl game does for the Aggies in the offseason. Then finally, on all his young talent on the roster and what that says for Texas A&M moving forward. Jimbo, about Kellen, uh, did, can you talk about what, what um, adjustments y'all might have made? And did you have to encourage him to, to, to run more in the second half? No, and- we did. We, we had some run call. We had, we had it in the game plan. We, had, we have the ability in our game plan to vary and go to quarterback runs and whether we're in two tights, two backs, or whatever we are, we had those things in. We worked them, and we just called them more. And, got, and we had some things early we thought we had, which we moved the ball. We just turned it over. But then we went to that and it started working, and that was a numbers game. And he checked a lot of that. He checked into some of those plays and saw the look and did a great job in the last scrimmage. And, did, you know, here's the thing. When you play quarterback, a lot of times things don't go your way perfectly. It's easy to get frustrated. It's a great sign of maturity when you don't 
and you go back and do the things each and every play to give yourself and team a chance to win when you're not playing your best. I like to measure players when they're not playing their best. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody's good when they're playing good. When you're not playing as good early and you're able to battle back and do things like that, that's it's a heck of a player. We spent the week trying to guess who was going to help you out at running back. Could, <laughs> could you speak to the job Anias did in, in that role? Let me tell you something. That guy's a heck of a football player, man. You could put him anywhere. You could put him at tackle. I think he'd make a block. I think he'd block a 300-pounder. I really do. I have the most respect for him. He's natural back there. Uh, I think he did one heck of a job. He's a natural runner. He blocked well. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, you saw. And you can create mismatches with him. I think he, you know, I think he's found a pretty good home and, and with as many ways that we can use him. And, and as he got older, the maturity and the, and the bowl practice allowed us to have those practices to, you know, like a spring practice. That, that's where, you, you know, you hear us coaches say that all the time. We wouldn't have been able to do that during the season. That's very hard to do because you can't get the reps. And I thought he was, I thought he was outstanding tonight. Coach, can you talk a little bit about the fact that they got out to the big lead? It seemed like your guys kind of drew a line in the sand and said, hey, this is a heavyweight fight and let's trade punches. And, and you took you 50 minutes to get back on top. It did. I mean, and I, like I said, these bowl games, they're, they're, they're in a bowl game for a reason. They're a great team. When you get to bowl games, you're playing good teams. And they jumped out. And especially the way things, the last game of the season started for us, our team could have said, oh, my God, here we go again. They didn't. They said, all right, we're going to fix this. We're going to handle it. We're going to keep our poise. They went back. They went back to fundamentals. They went right back to fundamentals. And that's what gets you back on track. Go back to what you're taught to do each and every play and play one play at a time. And they kept sawing wood and they kept pushing forward. And then they got in the groove and got their confidence going and started playing well. And I thought going out to second half, getting a stop on defense and going straight down and scoring on offense was very critical. Coach, in your experience, what's the difference going into the offseason when you've won a bowl game as opposed to when you've lost? What can that do for your team? I'll say this. The offspeed, the, the, uh, uh, Season speaking engagements are a lot better. <laughs> They're a lot more pleasant. But I, I just think from a confidence standpoint, and I, and I say this, you got to learn how to prepare for a bowl game. I, got, I keep saying this. We're the only sport in America that waits a month to play. So how you got to practice, how you got to prepare, how you got to get yourself in game. I mean, to get better, like a camp practice, then get into game mode and game planning and understanding that. And I, and I was very proud of our guys for doing that. And uh, you know, it, it, it's it's an art to do. And and uh, our guys are, are getting better and better at it. Coach, defense allowed 163 yards there in the first quarter and then give up about 50 just over those next two quarters combined. With such a young defense and just kind of moving forward, how much optimism does that give you? It gives you a lot. And I think it's, you know, and, and we got better. We stopped giving up the big plays in the secondary. We started fitting better, started tackling, didn't miss the open field tackles. And, again, it starts up front. Then our secondary and our linebackers fitting it. But very happy with those guys. It's a, it can be a very, very talented group, I can say that. Coach, Gundy just talked about how excited he is about the future of his team. Coach, you have a ton of freshmen, sophomores playing. I'm curious how you we feel. We have 30 I, that we played this year, 19 I, true freshmen and 11 red shirts that I know that we played. And uh, there's a lot of guys in that year, and I'm very happy and excited. If here, here, It's great to have young players that are talented. If they learn and get better and have an urgency to be great. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's my challenge to them right now. We are good. We have talent in that young, young groups. And they have young talent in the older groups. The older guys got to perform to get better, but you got to have an urgency and a desire. And all right, and you say, well, I'm going to go practice like I did. Well, you, you get the same results. Why don't we practice better? Why don't we practice smarter? Why don't we practice, you know, there's a lot to learn. We can, we can learn some valuable lessons from this season, but the ingredients are there. We just got to get it out of them, and that's my job, and I think they want to do it. There's some great kids. All right, Shane, so like I said, I mean, I just think there's just so much promise here in College Station. I'm I'm pretty fired up if I'm a Texas A&M fan. I think, you know, you're looking like, now let's not 
make no mistake, I mean, this time last year, LSU was a solid team, but they weren't destroying people in the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is possible to make a huge jump in one year. I'm not saying Texas A&M is going to go to the college football playoff and (laughs) and win by 50 points in their games here, but if there's one team in the SEC that I'm pegging that could make that jump, I think it's Texas A&M, and it seems like Jimbo's kind of sensing a little bit of the same there. Who do do they got next year? Like their uh, non – who's their uh, East opponent? All right, here's their schedule for next season, Shane. They open Abilene Christian, North Texas, Colorado. Those are all at home. Then obviously they play Arkansas in in Arlington, at Mississippi State, Fresno State at home, at Auburn, at South Carolina. They got two weeks to prepare for Ole Miss. Then they get Vanderbilt. And then this close is going to be tough. (laughs) at Alabama at LSU. So, I mean, it's going to come down to those final two games, obviously, of how far they go in the SEC West. But, hell, Hell. I mean, this is a team that I don't think it's going to be that big of a stretch to say, I mean, outside of that trip to Auburn, I mean, they could be undefeated going into Alabama. I think that's when you'd want them, man, right there at the end. I hate having them back-to-back, you know. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have two weeks to prepare for one of those teams instead of Ole Miss. But, yeah, man, that schedule's night and day from this year. So, yeah, I, I think you're looking at potentially most improved team next year, especially mm-hmm. in the West. Fi- uh, final thing here on the Aggies, Shane, just wanted to make this note. Uh, Jay Sean Corbin, the running back that uh, started the season at, as their starting running back, you know, he got hurt against Clemson. He's not been seen since. He announced his transfer. He's going to Florida State so the Aggies will not have Jay Sean Corbin moving forward. I just want to make that note. All right, Shane, so we've got two bowl games here on Monday. We're going to break those down in just a second. But I just want to do real quick here around the league, uh, hitting on some topics here. Uh, and we'll start in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Because Tua continues to tease that he <laughs> may be coming back. Uh, I think he's genuinely torn here. Not really sure why he's teasing people about all this stuff. I mean, he's doing. It's getting to the point where if he says he's going to the NFL, I mean, some Alabama fans are going to be a little bit upset, I would think. And then I also saw Shane, one of the uh, Alabama assistant quarterback coaches, a guy by the name of uh, Tino Sanceri. Mm-hmm. He is also teasing to a return. So, just a lot of smoke that Tua is going to come back for Alabama. Uh, I don't really have any inside knowledge here which way he's leaning, but I would think even if he does come back, he's not going to be a hundred percent. I wouldn't think for any of the spring, maybe not even to fall camp. I'm not saying that uh, surely he would beat out Mac Jones. I would think, but I don't know. Even if he does come back, if it's like you know he's just going to come back and throw 50 touchdowns and and what have you, but. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Tua? Just keep kind of mess. I don't know if he's messing with the fans, but just kind of getting their hopes up here. God, messing with Mac Jones's hopes too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the kid just wants to play Tua. Jeez, Louise. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're a Bama fan, this is fantastic news. Mm-hmm. But if you're any other team in the SEC, you want the kid to go to the pros. <laughs> so I. 
I don't know, man. I don't know about this injury. You know, this is a unique one. This isn't an ACL. This isn't something that you you really deal with that much or see that that often. Right. So um, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what he's going to be when he comes back off this thing. And I think that's probably what he's worried about going to the NFL because there's probably a lot of teams up there that are, you know, have the same feelings. And if he's not going to be a first-rounder, he's not wanting to go. So uh, I think for him – if he can get healthy enough to play and, you know, coach can talk him up and convince him that they're going to have an awesome season and he can be a first rounder again. Yeah. It's worth coming back. But, um, two is really, I mean, he's, he's dialed in with that family and, and I honestly think it's going to come down to mom and dad, uh, decision there and, and what's the best decision for him and, and, uh, his health, you know, mm-hmm. we got another announcement here. This is even more bizarre. I mean, this is just kind of where we're at in college football now, but Missouri running back, Tyler Beatty, sophomore, you know, really solid player for the Tigers there. He announced on social media, keep in mind, he's a Missouri running back. He announced he will play for Missouri next season. <laughs> Wait, what is he now? He's a sophomore? Yeah, so he's on the team, and he's just announcing he's going to be on the team. It's like <laughs> – Is he like a redshirt sophomore? <laughs> no. I, oh, gee. I mean, basically he's just committing to the new coaching staff, but – I mean, That's I, nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we have to. We're at the point where we have to do these things. I mean, I guess there must have. I was not aware that he was considering a transfer or anything. But maybe they all consider a transfer now. Whenever there's a coaching change, but hey, you want to talk about most misused player though? Mm-hmm. It was him. I, I really do think if if uh, coach, I'm going to call him Coach D because I'll never get that last name right. <laughs> if Coach D comes up and says, "Hey, listen." We're going to make you uh, more of a focal piece in this offense. Man, he's got the wheels to do it. And, and I don't know if he's, you know, how great he is in the receiving game. But if if they're able to exploit that, I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. So uh, I think it's funny that he's, he's committed. But, you know, I think it's also important for Missouri fans that they know that the running back's coming back. Yeah, and I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure this is right, Shane. The starting Appy State running back, I think mm-hmm. he's – announced already he's turning pro i think he's one of the better players on the team so coach drinkwitz i mean clearly he knows what he's doing when it comes to running back play so this a good decision here by tyler Beatty. i just wanted to kind of point out how kind of funny it is that he had to do that i i'm also coming back as a tennessee fan next year just letting you know <laughs> i'll try not to show it so much on this show but uh, uh deep downside i bleed orange All right, Shay, jumping down to the other Columbia, South Carolina here, where the Gamecocks picked up a little bit of an interesting transfer over the weekend. I believe this this occurred on Saturday, Shane, but Colorado State quarterback Colin Hill is transferring to South Carolina. This guy's a graduate transfer, and obviously this is a, a guy that played for Mike Bobo, former Colorado State head coach, now the offensive coordinator, of course, at South Carolina. So this kid's eligible immediately. Uh, He was a team captain in 2018. During his career, he completed over 60% of his passes, over 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's had some injuries, I think, to 
at least one of his knees, if not both. So I'm not saying this guy's going to you know, come in and be All-American or anything here, but I just think this is a hell of a pickup for South Carolina. Uh, Mike Bobo has recruited this kid going back to the 11th grade. And he, interestingly enough, Colin Hill, I think he was a state champion or something like that during his high school career. Yeah. So he's coming home. And like I said, I mean, best case scenario for the Gamecocks, I think Ryan Holinsky picks up this system. You know, he gets developed a little bit better than he did last year. And he's just, you know, he takes the, a big step forward in his sophomore season. That's what you're hoping for if you're South Carolina. But if not, you know, if for whatever reason he doesn't pick up the system or, I don't know, he just doesn't beat out Hill, here you got a guy that knows the system like the back of his hand and can help Helinski, can help Dottie, the guy they just signed, help to carry on Joiner, help the entire team kind of un- grasp the system, grasp the calls and everything. Uh, I just don't see any downside to bringing in a kid like this. You always want to you know, make some competition at that, get, at that critical position. I just think this is a hell of a pickup here for South Carolina, and I can see it paying off in a, whether it's on or off the field. Not just competition, but just depth. I mean, think about all the teams in the SEC last year that had troubles. South Carolina, for for prime example, you know, they went through three quarterbacks and had trouble keeping all of them healthy at times. So um, I think this is a a great fit, a great move. Um, You know, I'm not saying Hill's going to start next year, but, you know, he does got a leg up, knows the system. But I I still think it's Holinsky's job to lose. But uh, uh, it doesn't hurt to have somebody there, like you said, pushing you and make you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, last uh, little update here around the league here, Shane. Jump on down to Nashville. Take it down. We're big news here for Vanderbilt because Derek Mason has made the decision to fire both his coordinators. Offensive coordinator mm. Jerry Godowski and defensive coordinator Jason Tarver both Going to be leaving this off season, wasn't that his buddy? It is that, that the defensive coordinator uh, decision. That's you know that's uh, I don't want to say concerning because Vanderbilt was very poor on defense this year, so kind of saw it coming, I guess. But yeah, I think this is Derek Mason knowing changes had to be made, not going with the status quo. Be very in- interested to see you know who these next hires are. I don't have any information on who the coordinators will be but you know this is the now that we've had the head coaching carousel kind of over with now we're going to go to the assistant coordinator carousel (laughs) that's going to get going here but Vanderbilt in the market for both coordinators and I think these are just kind of moves Derek Mason had to make yeah for sure I think this is a job saving move right here all right Shane so I kind of teased it there we got two bowl games here on Monday I mean this is going to be a great week for us SEC fanatics every day this week leading up to Thursday's game we have some SEC football Uh, let's start with the first one here Shane this the first game is going to be a four o'clock eastern three o'clock central on ESPN the Music City Bowl Mississippi State versus Louisville Mm. and this is going to be an interesting matchup Shane because you know I was clearly leaning Mississippi State before the game kicked off here but then we got uh, linebackers punching out the quarterback. You just <laughs> never know how that's going to affect the team going into it. But uh, let's kick it over to Joe Moorhead, who, you know, even though he's kind of half addressed this just the other day, 
here on Sunday. He had some media availability, and just damn near every question he got was on this (laughs) post-practice fight. And then I thought the best thing he had to say was uh, his comments here on Tommy Stevens and kind of his last opportunity to really show, you know, college football what his game's all about. Coach Moorhead, um, there have been reports about uh, a fight between Garrett Schrader and Willie Gay. Um, Could you address that um, for people who are – that's kind of been like the big talk amongst the fan base. Um, Could you talk about whether that happened and how you addressed that with the team? Yeah, I mean, to me it was a, uh, you know, a team issue, a team issue that we, you know, handled internally and it's been resolved. Uh, You know, Garrett is here on site. He's at practice yesterday. He's in good spirits and, you know, more than anything, we want our focus to be, you know, like we mentioned earlier, on these seniors on this team and on this game. So it's a team matter. It was handled. You know, Garrett's here. He's at practice. You know, just saw him up on the hall eating a bag of licorice. Uh, So, you know, things things are going good. All right. And then as a follow-up to that, um, a lot of people have obviously had strong opinions about what happened or what they think happened. Um, And Willie, you know, I guess he's had a rough year being suspended for eight games. And, you know, know, people see him as the guy who knocked the starting quarterback out of this big bowl game. Um, What would you say to people who um, have – developed a uh, perception of Willie based on those two things, what, what would you say to defend Willie? I, I don't think I need to. Uh, and I think, like I said, uh, you know, we've addressed it as a team matter. It's been handled internally. You know, Willie and Garrett have talked to each other, you know, uh, and we've, you know, like I said, we've, we've addressed it. We moved on for it and, you know, want our focus to be on this team and this game and, you know, this great opportunity in front of us. Joe, I know you said that the focus is obviously all week has been on winning this football game. Yeah. But given the incident that did happen last week, obviously it's kind of it might be kind of hard to focus on doing that. So my question is, what was the uh, the players' reaction and just kind of the, the the team reaction to what happened, and then how hard was it to kind of galvanize the guys and, and defuse that situation? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I talked about, it's it's the kids have it's been addressed, and we we've kind of you know moved on from it. And uh, you know, the key thing with the bowl, and you mentioned the term, you know, teams that that play well are generally able to eliminate or handle distractions and adversity and uh, they're able to prepare well they're able to play with physicality and they're able to, to execute and uh, you know when we got down to the site you know the, the first couple of days the kids have some more things going on the the big message was have your mind and your feet in the same place so if you're in a position meeting you know have your mind and your feet there when you're on the practice field have your mind and feet there if you're an event be there if you have free time do that and I think our kids have done a good job kind of parcelizing their time and, and, their, and their focus that we've been in meeting rooms, we've been on the field, and all those things, it's been 100% football. But they've also, like it is a reward, and you want them to enjoy themselves. So just in terms of, of that and distractions, the kids have, you know, since it happened, we've, been, we've moved on and we've been fine. <clears throat> Joe, Tommy, Tommy came here from Penn State, obviously, with uh, the hopes that he'd have a, a really big year in, in his first year as a college starter. Uh, injuries and what and whatnot have um, probably prohibited that from happening. Yeah. But given that he has this one final chance to kind of make a statement in a college atmosphere, what do you think it would mean to him to have a big game and, and for you guys to win that game? Yeah, it's kind of gone full circle for Tommy this year. You know, we started off the season on fire, you know, got injured, you know, came back, maybe wasn't a little bit as effective and got injured again and Garrett was playing well. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I know it means a lot to Tommy as a player, uh, you know, considering how his career has gone. I know it means a lot to his family. 
uh, for him to come out and play well in his last game, uh, you know, before he has an opportunity to play at the next level. But, but it would mean a lot to me personally, just the relationship between Tommy and I from our time at Penn State and now, now here at Mississippi State, for him to come out in his last game uh, as a college-eligible player in his last game at Mississippi State to, to play well and, and uh, kind of put a closure on a, on a real nice football career. I mean, it, it'll mean a lot to him personally, mean a lot to me, and certainly mean, mean a lot to the team as well. All right, Shane, so Coach Moorhead, he can't, don't get fighting <laughs> questions, can he? <laughs> no, absolutely. Surprised nobody made a comment about the Louisville Slugger. You know, just has <laughs> anybody worked that one in yet? <laughs> uh, hey, let me ask you: is so is Gay suspended or not? Is is he playing? He will play. He's uh, suiting up. No suspensions okay. here stemming from this. And no, none of the media could find a bearded guy eating Twizzlers to ask him what happened. <laughs> That wasn't that was an odd remark there. Well, I was like, what yeah. what's the Twizzlers got to do with this? I mean, whether you got beat up or not, I think you're still going to eat candy, you know? Yeah, that's right. He's eating candy. He's already, he don't even care, you know. He ain't even working out anymore. So <laughs> I I'm, I I don't know. I think this is going to be a great game regardless. Um I hope this did rally the team. But you could tell coaches, you know, it, this is this is what if you're uh, admin or if you're a coaching staff this is what you got to say i mean the, if you make it a story it will become a story it will become a story all season long so i, I think this is the best thing a coach could have said now as far as fans and uh media i mean obviously we want to know the truth you know what what really happened here because there's a reason that that gay's not suspended uh, obviously we're not going to get that we're just going to have to speculate all off season but uh, this is, I still think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. And here's one thing that I wanted to hit on because in particular, these Tommy Stevens comments, in my opinion, Shane, when Tommy Stevens is healthy and I know he's, you know, at this point, I think it's fair to wonder if he's just one of these guys and this is nothing against him because this is all across football, but you know, some people, their body just maybe is not meant to take the pounding of Mm -hmm. major college football and it's just from what I know of him at Penn State he got injured a couple times he's been injured a couple times his only season here at Mississippi State but he's gonna have time to get rested for this game they say he's you know as close to 100% as he can be this will be his final opportunity and when he's been in the lineup and making his throws and and he's a willing runner as well. He's not as good of a runner, obviously, as Schrader, but he is a willing runner. We've seen him use his legs as a weapon. When he's able to push that ball down the field, I think that's the only time we've seen this Joe Moorhead offense executed the way he wants it in Starkville. They never were able to get that going with Nick Fitzgerald. They've mm-hmm. not really been able to get that consistently with Garrett Schrader, but they have with Stevens. And I think that might be the X factor. That's the X factor for me anyway going into this game. I think Tommy Stevens, this is probably the last opportunity. I mean, he's not going to play in the NFL or anything like that. So this is this may be his last football game of his life. I think yeah. he's going to leave it all out there. And Louisville, they've got a terrible defense Last in the ACC in scoring, uh, 13th in rushing defense. Kylan Hill, you don't think a guy like that's going to leave it all out on the field? I mm-hmm. mean, with you know the trend all across the nation of guys sitting out the bowl games and all that garbage, he is putting it on the line for his team. Uh, I think he's going to run like a man possessed. And, you know, Mississippi State 
say what you want. I know they didn't have a great season, but they finished really well. Uh, yeah. I th- I think this is going to be a damn blowout here, and I think I think this fight may rally the team in a weird way to where. You know, it's not something you want if you're Mississippi State, but hell, maybe you want everyone asking about a damn fight instead of, you know, your coach mm-hmm. getting fired and <laughs> players sitting out and all this stuff. Mississippi State only favored by four going into this matchup, Shane. I'm going to pick Mississippi State to win this one 38, Louisville 20, 18 points. I'm giving a big, big win here for Mississippi State. What about you? Mm, I like it. I like it. I do, I do think, obviously, I'm going to pick Mississippi State, but I don't think it's going to be as a high-scoring game as you think. Uh, Louisville does got, you know, a pretty pretty aggressive offense, but I think Mississippi State keeps them in check. So I've got them winning here uh, 28, Louisville 21. So I got it as a seven-point game. Ooh, the slugger. That's the sluggers going the down. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, Shane. The only other Monday game we got here, Florida versus Virginia. Still trying to figure out how Virginia made it to the Orange Bowl because they are underdog by 14 and a half points against the Gators. We got one team should be ranked in the top five. We got one team that uh, is probably ranked about 50th in the nation, <laughs> just lost to, Cl- to Clemson by 50-something, well, 62-17 to 17 in the ACC title game. Ugh. And <laughs> leading up to this one, Shane, Dan Mullen was asked, uh, you know, he keeps getting this damn question. I don't. It's kind of weird how often they keep pestering him with, with this stuff. But, the you know, the standout thing he had from his Sunday press conference here was on the NFL speculation surrounding his name. Let's uh, kick it over to Dan Mullen. Dan, uh, what do you think it says about the state of your program right now that after this game, a lot of the attention is going to turn to whether or not you could possibly leave for the NFL? Uh, I don't know. That's a much of the, the state of the program. I think the program's in a great position right now, and I think everybody knows uh, how much I love being a Florida Gator. And you know what the pro, the direction the whole program's headed in. Uh, you know, I think those are those are nice compliments. I think usually in the coaching profession, uh, a lot of times they're making comments on you one way or the other, right? You, they either need to get rid of you or you're going somewhere else. So, you know, um, you know so I, it's always to be better on the latter of those two. Uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, I, I, I've I've. Being head coach for a while, I've got to experience both sides that sometimes they're ready to get ready and sometimes they think you're going somewhere else. So uh, we'll, we'll take that for uh, being a successful season. All right, Shane. So I think he handled this, I mean, about as perfectly as you can. I mean, you he makes a good point here. It just seems like no matter what you're doing, there's speculation around your name. It's either because you're on your way out or you're on your way to getting promoted because <laughs> you're doing such a good job. But – is it interesting to you that uh, now I, 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 this may be a new set of reporters or something asking him, but it seemed like he was just faced all these questions about a week ago. Uh, is it odd to you that these rumors are just continuing to hover around Dan Mullen heading into this game? Well, it doesn't help that Dallas is so bad. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, everybody wants them to get a new coach up there. Uh, I could care less because I'm not a Dallas fan, but I will say this, Mike. 
this is uh, the same thing that we've been. This is storylines created. This is something that they're going to be able to talk about during the games. So they're getting it out there. Um, I, I don't. I honestly, I don't think Coach is uh, is leaving. I, I don't think he's going to be offered the the Cowboys job. But the fact that he is being mentioned. I mean, that's high praise because, like he said, you'd rather be worried about your coach leaving because he's doing well than, you know, your coach potentially getting fired because your team's not. So uh, this is good. This is good. I mean, the more publicity that it gets out there and if coach gets out there and, and, and you know, who knows, who knows, and maybe has an opportunity when Dallas is again, it's uh, it's it's just more media attention for the Gators. Mm hmm. Now, we also got a clip here, Shane, from Todd Grantham, their outstanding defensive coordinator. Wanted to have a little bit more since Mullen didn't have much to say about the game. And he kind of breaks down, you know, Virginia does have a quarterback that is a, a real threat here, Bryce Perkins. He scored 29 touchdowns, over 4,000 total yards this season. So Grantham talks about, uh, you know, trying to key in on stopping Perkins. And then this next comment, I thought this was really interesting on just kind of a window into, you know, how much fun and how relaxed the Gators are going into this game because I think that's what you want with, you know, this era of, you know, is your team interested in the bowl game? Are they disinterested? You got players sitting out. I know C.J. Henderson, I believe he's the only one from the Gators sitting out. So most of the other team having a good time down there, locked in. I think they want to make a statement here against Virginia. I don't know if you do anything differently in the sense of we've played athletic quarterbacks before. You've just got to understand your ability to collapse the pocket. Uh, you've got to understand your leverage on the guy. Um, you've got to understand uh, how we need to try to work to keep the guy in the pocket. Uh, if we're adding other guys, we just got to understand how we need to fit it. And, uh, and then just go play to your ability and play fast. Dan Mullen talked about balancing the fun and during this week. Mm -hmm. Yesterday when at practice, I noticed a lot of the defenders kind of switched jerseys out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, was that something that you guys kind of coordinated before? No, that was all them. I mean, uh, you know, we, we kind of talked about from day one when we got here, um, having the ability to understand that, hey, you're, you've earned this opportunity. Um, so when it's time to have fun, enjoy it. You've, you've earned that right, have fun. But when we're in meetings or we're on the practice field or it's time to prepare for the game, we need to focus in on the task at hand because the number one thing is is to win the game here. And I think the leadership and character of our team, they've done a good job of that. And um, it obviously makes for a much more enjoyable bowl um, outing when guys are mature, handle their business, and you don't have to deal with issues. And our guys have done a really good job with that. You know, they came out yesterday in a unit, uh, you know, singing We're Ready, I guess, mm -hmm. and uh, had the jersey switch. So um, um, as long as we play with energy and practice, I'm cool with that. So I thought it was fun, and, uh, you know, it was a good practice, and we look forward to getting out there today and having our final practice. All right, Shane, so what are your thoughts there for what Grantham had to say? I mean, I never heard of such a thing, these guys just kind of <laughs> flipping around their jerseys. and But I think it just speaks to the level of, uh, you know, comfort and – just kind of at ease this team is going in. It, it just seems like they're having a lot of fun with this coaching staff, and I think that's kind of why it's translating to the field with so much success under Dan Mullen and uh, Todd Grantham running the defense. 
Yeah, and you can kind of hear it in Todd's voice. He he loves the fact they're having fun, but he doesn't want it to get you know too carried away. The confidence, <laughs> you know, they're 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 extremely confident going into this game, and they should be. And uh, I'm telling you, man, Virginia has not played a defense like this one. Uh, they're going to be have they're going to have their ears pinned back. And uh, how many how many touchdowns that quarterback got coming in? Twenty nine on the year. Okay, uh, my hot take is he'll have twenty nine for the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go ahead and get my score? Because I think Florida Gators win this one, win it big, forty two to three. Oh. Who let the dogs help? <laughs> Damn, forty two to three, Shane. Forty two to three, Virginia struggles. Yeah, I could see a lot of that. Uh, I mean, I certainly don't think. Virginia is going to be in this game at the end. I think they'll have a little bit more success than you. <laughs> I mean, forty-two to three—that's that's tough. That'd be a tough one for me to watch sit through. But uh, I'm was going to go thirty-five Florida, ten Virginia. So a little bit, a little bit more competitive. I, I mean, it'll be competitive into the first quarter. I think. <laughs> <laughs> You think so? I, I don't know. Just go with me here. It just kind of feels like it's got that vibe where, you know, Dan's getting all this this recognition, you know, people are talking about. So he wants to go out there and prove to the country why he should be in a top four team, you know. And I, I just, I, yeah, I just, I look at the teams that Virginia has. They lost to Miami 17-9. And did you see Miami the other day? <laughs> it's like, didn't Enos, did he get fired yet? Is he back? <laughs> yeah, he got fired as soon as they hit the presser there. So, yeah, I see what you're saying, but uh, no, by no means do I think Virginia belongs on the same field. I feel I feel bad for Florida fans, to be honest with you, because they deserved, after such an outstanding season, to you know match up against an elite team. Yeah. Still, I'm I'm very, I don't know. This is this is just a joke, man. This it really this is. game. This game will be a joke, and that's why Dan's not all peppy. You know what I'm saying? Like usually he's all amped up because mm-hmm. he's nervous. He's worried about a game and something. He ain't even worried about this. He's switching jerseys with the coaches. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right. So imagine, you know, I'll just throw a team out there: Florida versus Oregon. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the matchup we should have been. Absolutely. That's the one we wanted right there. I wanted to see a Florida Michigan rematch. You know, I thought that would be good. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, we've seen that about five times in the past I know, six but it, years. But so. they're good games. They're really good games. So, okay. One final thing here, Shane. I meant to hit on this. I, I forgot about it. Uh, kind of on the flip side of a team like Florida. I mean, have you seen all these guys for Georgia that are not playing in the Sugar Bowl? I mean, obviously, there are two offensive tackles. Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, turning pro, both of them not going to play. And then you got guys like J.R. Reed now is not going to play. Mm. Uh, ben Cleveland, academically ineligible, one of their starters on the offensive line. And then guys that apparently didn't even make the trip, running back Brian Harrion, defensive lineman Tyler Clark, defensive back D- David Wilson, uh, Tyreek McGee, I mean, this, this, they're fielding like half a damn team here. And then, you know, the, the big one that is playing, who's hurt, we don't even know how effective he's going to be, is DeAndre Swift. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's just very weird how it's starting yeah. to turn into a dangerous trend there in Athens where like half the team don't give a shit about playing in the Sugar Bowl. 
butt hurt dogs, man. I, I just, this is, maybe this is why you didn't win. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have a team that's ready to just put it out there for your other teammates. I don't, I mean, when I see people sitting out, I think of a group of individuals. If anybody should be sitting out, it should be Swift because I think he has more to lose. Now, the offensive right. line, obviously, you know, those are first-rounders. I get that. But, you know, some of these other cats. Herring, I mean, he's a senior, ain't he? Yeah. I mean, what? why Why would you not want to go out, put a little more film on the – I mean, you had it. Uh, if anything, you probably would have got more carries than anybody. So, I don't want to speculate, but um, – you know, that's, that's on the coaches, man. They lost that locker room a long time ago then. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, all these kids are making business decisions, which I, you know, I like you said, I, I kind of understand. I don't really want to call them out, but it's just interesting how it's, you know, multiple years in a row we're having this, and it's not like they're playing in the, you know, Cheez-It Bowl. I mean, they're, play, <laughs> they're playing in the Sugar Bowl, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, well, get get damn Coach Luke in there and ask him how many people on Ole Miss would like to be playing in a bowl game right now, you know? Exactly. Jeez. Yeah, so it it just seems like it's almost like they're like a semi-pro team or something, or like they got a pro mentality, but they, they have that mentality, but they've not earned it on the field, if that makes sense. That's kind of how I look at it at this point. For sure. That's a joke. Alabama doesn't have that many, and they can't, they'll have more first-rounders, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, so that's all I got on this one. Uh, I'm going to try to see if we can make this work this week. This may be the final time of the you know, the entire season here, but we should try to get one episode out each day this week because we're going to have bowl matchups yep. across the league to be breaking down all week. We'll have some previews. I'm pretty fired up about this week, Shane. You got anything else before we hop off here? Oh, you got me fired up right here at the end, Mike. Right, right before we get off here, and now I'm not going to be able to sleep thinking about Georgia just folding up. I just want one year, SEC, to win every bowl game, you know, and you got half the team not going up there. But, uh, uh, no, that's it. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, the ratings reviews, again, we're going to read those Friday, but like Mike said, we're, we're here every day, man. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, this is a big week for college football, and we ain't going to let it pass because this is important because this is the final games. Georgia, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, fans, that you got to watch that sad performance coming up. I hope you win, but if you lose, you know, I hate it because your players gave up on you. But um, I, I love college football, Mike, and, and we've got a few games left, so I'm cherishing every one of them. Yeah, that's a good point, Shane. I don't know any other SEC podcasts out there, Shane, giving the listeners podcasts a day here, even during the holidays. So we really do appreciate every each and every review. If you could you know, take that extra second to give that to us, that really does help the show out. We appreciate each and every one of those. Now that's going to do it on this one, Shane. Fired up for some of this SEC football. Thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Nailed it. Nailed it.
I mean, second play of the game, he's losing a fumble. Oh, Uh-oh. Sorry. Flash flood. You okay? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Not really, but fl- flash flood. It's the same thing. Same, same, same. I'm on the you second floor. look fl- outside? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the second floor. I think I'll be all right. Okay. Just let me know, man. Well, better hurry for your power cuts off. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point, Shane. I don't know any other SEC podcast giving the listeners a podcast every day. Son of a <laughs> bitch. It, well, maybe they're letting some of the water out, Mike. You need to check. <laughs> She's just getting the raft ready. <laughs>